Hello and welcome to the How to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Murray Newland. When you decided to become a CEO, the world changed. You can build an amazing company or you can crash and burn. We're here to give you the knowledge, the advice, the expertise, and the insights in order to build an amazing company. In this show, we will be looking at CEOs and the disruption mindset, what you need to know to build an amazing company. I am delighted to be speaking to Charlie Lee today, who's going to tell us all about that and uh, how to build an amazing company. So thank you for coming on the show. Please do introduce yourself and, and more about your background. Sure. My name is Charlene Lee. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I frequently speak. I am also a founding CEO of a company, uh, Altimeter, which is a disruptive analyst firm that was acquired in 2015 by Profit. I'm still there, happily there, four years later, which is kind of unusual. Yes. Um, and we can definitely talk more about what it takes to be disruptive. So when uh, you were a CEO and you were thinking about disruption and how to have that mindset and how to really transform your business, what is the, what's the framework that you should be thinking about and how should you be coming at that? Well, what I did my research was to say, what is actually disruption? And it's not just blowing things up. I do believe that it is about creating exponential growth because it's not disruption uh, or disruptive technologies or disruptive innovation that drives growth. It's actually growth that is disruptive. And here's an example. When I ask CEOs, what if you could double your growth rate next year? What would you do differently? And they all say, I know exactly what I would do, but it would be incredibly hard. It'd be really disruptive. So we don't do it. I go, but wait a minute, you know exactly what you would have to do. <laughs> you, know, you know what the secret sauce is and you won't do it because it's going to be hard, right? Versus I know I can achieve my growth, maybe grow it a little bit more. And so what I found is that organizations step away, step back from this exponential growth. Uh, they don't feel confident in doing this and they, they do it to themselves. And so my research has found that the disruptive organizations who are really good at disrupting themselves and the industries are ones that are comfortable with thinking about the future and they in particular focus on the future customer. So I think as a CEO, one of the most important questions you can ask is, do I know who my future customer is? Do I have a really good idea? Because if I don't, then I can't make the investments today to go after them. And if I know who they are, do I make sure that everybody in my organization is aligned around that vision of the, that, that future customer? And if that's there, yep. do we know how to, we're going, what are the actions we're all going to take and we're going to align around those actions to go pursue that, that customer? And so how do I, how do I get that insight for, for the customers and how do I align my team along that process? I, one of the most interesting things about knowing the future customer is you probably have a pretty, you have a hunch of who that future customer is today. Most likely not the same as your current customers. Um, maybe some of them, but most likely very different. So having a good idea, having a hypothesis and doing lots of research to test it, but not so much that you become bogged down by analysis paralysis. The best way to figure out, well, is it future customer A or B? Well, go after A. Does A actually respond the way you think it is? If it doesn't, then maybe it's B. But constantly refining that and seeing which other directions that really start to make sense, but then tying it down, making your bet, and then moving forward with that. And I, what I found with disruptive organizations is they get really good at this. They make lots and lots of little bets. They increase their confidence in their gut. 
because they have proven up with research that they know who their future customer is and they can go and pursue them. So if you're trying to do that, does it always come from the CEO down or does it come from the team as well? And how do you empower the team members within your organization both to do that research, to bring that back and what type of signaling do they need to bring back and how do they get buy-in across the organization? Such a great question. I think the CEO needs to set the stage to say the future customer is important, but then everyone in the organization, every single person needs to be looking for that future customer. And when somebody finds one, they need to send up the flag and say, hey, I got one here. I got a live one. I got, I got a future customer. Everyone, come on, gather around. Look at this. Look at them. And because it's going to be fleeting, it's going to be rare at first. And so when you have an opportunity to do that, you have to go look at them. And this is the difference between what we can do today versus what we could do even just five years ago. Today, when somebody in some other part of the organization sees something interesting happening, they can immediately set up the flag and get that notification. You can even use AI and machine learning to be able to understand where these weak signals are actually very, very important because you're weighting those signals much more. Five years ago, we didn't have those internal communications tools to be able to do something like this. And that's what's changed. And what are the blockers for companies? Why aren't people doing this? Why, why is the CEO not doing this? And why aren't people in the organization already doing this? What are those blockers? And how because do you we, I think the number one thing is because we are rewarded for being 100% right. And if you're going to say, here's a future customer, but I'm not 100% sure that's the future customer, but I'm pretty sure I know who the future customer is going to be next month. So I'm going to focus on something that I know I can get answers to because I perceive that the tolerance for getting the answer wrong is, is, is just un unacceptable. So this idea of being perfect versus saying, I don't know exactly what the future looks like, but I have a good idea. Will we go on this adventure together? Is it worth going after? Is it worth taking on that risk of being wrong? Being wrong is not what CEOs, quote, do, um, but I think the best CEOs make these calculated bets, calculated risks. And they know that not everything they do is going to pay out, but it's worth taking that risk for. And if you balance that risk across the board with some successes too as well, then you're going to be a really good CEO because you're willing to take those risks. So that's what CEOs do. They go and create that change. But this is what leaders do. They go and find that change and that opportunity and make it happen. How do you start that process with the team? If I say tomorrow I want to start doing this, how do I take that first step? I think, again, say to the team, let's decide who our future customer is and what are their needs. And what I, I like to do is to use a tool called an empathy map, an empathy map of who is this customer, not defined by their roles or their responsibilities or industries, but given this future customer, have an idea who they are, what are they saying? How do they feel? What do they think and what do they do? Let's stand in their shoes so we can together as a team really understand who this future customer is. Because when we understand them, we can begin to understand their challenges and also how we could potentially help them. And then if you could create a map of after we've helped them, after they've done whatever it is that we're going to do with them, the product or service, how will they think, feel, say, and do things differently because of us? What need are we fulfilling and allowing them to be successful? And, and the key difference here is you're focusing it on the future customer, not the customer of today. And that's a small difference, but a huge difference. Because if you only focus on customers today, it takes you six months to actually implement it. Well, guess where your customer is? 
six months further than and you're serving the customer from six months ago. So the more disruptive you can be is how far into the future you will look. If you're looking three, five years down the line and preparing for that today, then that's going to be very different. I, um, I, I do this little exercise. I ask people when I walk into an organization to show me their uh, strategy plan, the strategic plan, and they pull out and give me the 12-month budget. That's not a strategic plan. Like, what was your plan? Okay, when they show me something for three to five years and I go, so how is that driving what you're doing today? Like, we don't really believe that. We have to put something down. Right. But you can't create a three to five year roadmap unless you have a good idea who that customer is going to be and how they're going to be different from the ones you have today. So I would actually posit that most companies do not have a really robust strategy plan, one that allows them to make the sacrifices and the investments and dedicate the resources today for uncertain future. That's really hard for most CEOs to do. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're part of an organization, how do you take this up to the CEO and get the CEO to buy into this? Uh, well, two things. I, first of all, most CEOs will only um, focus on three, maybe five initiatives because they only have five fingers. They can't count more than five. So I did five. It's usually three. Uh, so whatever it is that you think is important has to tie into those three or five things. And the best thing you can do is to say, here, here's, a, here's our idea of where the future customer is. This isn't my idea or wait, me blowing up things. This is, can we agree that in order to achieve that strategic objective, we need to understand our customers better and our future customers in particular better. So how is what we're trying to do going to serve them? And it's the, like, I don't know. And you come back and say, well, I've been thinking about this. I've been working on it. My team has been looking at our future customers and we've come to this realization that they want X and we're not giving them X. And that's aligned with what we're trying to do. So people say, I'm waiting for permission from my CEO to talk about my future customer. No, you don't need permission to do that. Yeah, to do your job well, I can't think of a single function inside an organization that wouldn't benefit from the people really thinking about who that future customer is. And what does it look like when you're starting along that process? And what, does, what are the milestones for that? And how do you know you're starting to be successful with achieving those milestones? That's a great question. I, I think more than anything else, the milestones say, are we feeling more confident now to be able to make a decision today, a hard decision today, I call it the big gulp decision today, to do something very different than what we're doing today in order to go after that customer? Is it really causing us to say and question the things that we do? And you could say in the end, yeah, we're absolutely doing the things that we are doing today. Chances are something will change. Chances are you're going to get some new insight that says we should be doing things differently in order to accelerate that growth. And then the second thing is, is it working? Are you getting new customers? Are you growing? All those metrics of growth, whatever they may be, it could be impact if you're a nonprofit. It could be membership if you're an association. It could be actual revenues. Uh, whatever that growth metric is of impact, are you actually seeing those numbers change? Because if they don't, then you're just waving your hands up in the air. I'm going to ask you this question because you have specific expertise in this. Within that progress, and as an analyst from a firm, you put on these things, how do you represent that to the outside as well? Uh, so I'll give an example of Adobe. When they decided to go from packaged software over to software um, in the cloud with their creative suite, it, it was really, really hard for them to do that because people didn't want it, frankly. And they knew that when they started offering this, that their revenues and income was, would go down for two years, two years. 
And I have this chart in the book that shows her income tanking and the stock price taking off. So imagine the CFO going to Wall Street going, I got this great strategy for us. There's only one catch, uh, two catches. Nobody wants it. <laughs> I yeah. can't point you to a group of customers who are asking for this and we're going to lose a lot of money for two years. Isn't this going to be great? Yeah. Oh, that's you know, I, so how do you do that? They did a lot of work, a lot of preparation to explain that this is the future. This is the experience. This is the future customer that doesn't exist today. This is why they're going to buy this. And here's the evidence that we have for that. We just have a couple inklings in here, a little test that we did in Australia. But yeah, we believe this is the future for the company. This is the right thing to do for those customers. And we're going to take our income down, but it's going to accelerate because we're going to create a new addressable market we could never have had before. And they're going to prove it and hit the numbers going down. They hit their numbers going down. That's, uh, that, that's really interesting. And so if you're thinking about doing this, if you want to be a truly disruptive CEO, where else, who else uh, can you learn from? Who are some other leaders in this space where you think, I, I want to see what they're doing and, and, and really get inspired by that? Yeah, I, I have a lot of examples in the book of leaders, everyone from um, John Ledger at T-Mobile to the team at Adobe uh, to, um, uh, again, the, the head of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, like blowing up the art world, right? How do you do this? I, but I think my favorite uh, disruptor is Paul LeBlanc, who's the president of Southern New Hampshire University. And he took over a campus of 3,000 undergrads and has turned it into the largest provider of online education from an accredited university in the world. I think we're going to serve 180,000 students this year and have a billion dollars in revenue. That's incredible. And we're a 3,000 person campus in Southern New Hampshire. So like, why them? Well, he figured out that the student that he was serving is a non-traditional student. The mid-career, they're turning back, they're, they're working full-time, they're coming back from the military, and they needed different things than a traditional university would have. Right. That's a lot of people. So the way that he thinks, the way that he is so incredibly dedicated to these students, and how he has aligned the entire organization around being student success is really amazing how he built that. So he's that's, a great person to watch and emulate. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I think... I mean, for me, one of the best ways to learn is to find those people who are doing successful things and, and watch what they're doing and really trying to understand. Uh, and it's been, it's been an amazing way to, to re just really learn. If people want to connect with you, how do they do that? They can follow me on all of the social media platforms. I'm typically Charlene Lee. Uh, the exception is Facebook. It's Charlene Lee author. Go figure. Yeah. Um, and then email Charlene at CharleneLee.com. Hi, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm Murray Newlands. You've been listening to the How to CEO podcast. I look forward to chatting with you next time.